devotion, their dedication to God. Thank you so much, guys. I want to say it's a great joy, honor to have some friends, uh, longtime friends from uh, Cincinnati, Ohio, but he sounds like he's from Alabama, so which he originally is. Good to have Jack and Gail Chester with us today, and they, they just kind of dropped in. I thought all the years of preaching in Cincinnati would be enough for them, but I don't know if it is. They just keep on coming back for more, and it might be. I don't know what it is. A lot of mercy and grace, I believe. But thank you all so much for coming. Great joy seeing you all and seeing the Lord work, and God bless you. Amen. We give them a welcome. Rodney Pike Church of God, welcome. Amen. Praise the Lord. Even though he still believes in that crimson tide, I don't know. But we'll just pray that out of him eventually. I don't know. He's lived in Ohio all these years. He just won't change. I don't know. We'll pray it out of him. But I'd like to share this morning a message with you and try to, I tried to preach it last Sunday and the Lord moved in a great way in the worship and service. This morning, we had a great service this morning at 9 o'clock. Uh, probably the most liveliest one I think I've seen at 9 o'clock in the morning. But man, people just worshiping God, just a great time in the Lord. And I just, I thank God for it. And, uh, and I, I think my son is always ready, Pastor Mike is always ready to jump in if I ever need help at any given time to join in and preach. But I'm still doing okay. I, I made, even though I really got excited the first service, it's like the Word of God. You know, that's what the prophet Jeremiah said. You know, a lot of times we think it's the Spirit of God. But what really excites me is the Word of God. Now, the Word of God's anointed, but he said it's like a fire shut up in my bones. I couldn't stay. It's the Word that God had given him. And I want to challenge you to find the Word of God in you and to find your Word, God speaking to you in the Word of God, and allow God to be able to bless you because I believe his Word should be celebrated. It should be celebrated. You know me and my, my thinking, my theology, Sunday morning's a day, Sunday's a time of celebration celebration in the Lord for what God means to us. But I'd like to preach and continue on this message series of through every crisis, through every crisis. Would you just stretch your hand forward and pray for me that God give me the word for us at this moment, this time, and begin to move in a powerful way. Now my faith battery We receive it as a rhema word for us in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, just anoint me and give me the right words. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, whenever the word of God is used, there's always faith that is in the environment. It just happens. That's why many times in our prayer life when we begin to pray and we begin to quote the word of God, uh, faith rises up when we pray. It does for me. It's not as though God is bound by some contract that he's got to and has to do as he says. Well, let me tell you this. God won't do anything outside what he says. What he says he'll do, he'll do. So you don't have to remind God, but it sure does help us in the word of God, doesn't it, to begin to rehearse it. So I just pray this morning faith rise up in each and every one of us in the word of God through every crisis through every crisis crisis is a dramatic emotional 
or circumstantial upheaval in a person's life. But it's also a crisis is a turning point. Things can be different and change forever. Things of lately, once this all the dust settles and everything settles, things are not going to be the same anymore. We'll pick up some good things. We'll throw away some bad things. We'll, we've discovered in recent months those things that are indicatives and those that are imperatives. The indicatives are those secondary things that are not so important that kind of lay around a part of our life that kind of float in and float around. But imperatives are the essentials. And God is showing us what is essential and that which is not so essential in this season of time. I don't know about you, but I've been doing some growing up. Have you been doing some growing up lately? Hey, listen, the pastor needs to grow up, you know. The pastor's constantly growing. It never stops. I got to keep growing in the Lord. Everybody does. We grow and develop in our faith. God's doing something with us. So God is surely doing something now. He's doing something now. I mean, we can blame we can blame China. We can blame the virus. We can blame. It's easy to blame. How many here know and do a very good job at blaming? Raise your hand. I mean, you know, I'm good. I'm a good blamer. I'm a real good blamer. I could have been in the garden and would have fit just fine if I was Adam. I guess, well, it's Eve's fault, you know. It's Leah's fault. But that didn't happen. And Leah would say, well, well, it's the snake's fault. But the fact is, is that we're good with blaming. In this season of time, we don't want blame. We want, we want to gather what's good, what's necessary out of this. God's teaching us something right now. Jacob is a great example. Uh, we can learn that God will take us through every crisis. We're going to talk about Jacob. Turn your Bible, Genesis 32, and just have it there. We're going to kind of run through it for just a minute or two in chapter 32 of Genesis. But Jacob's life from... From the life of Jacob, we learn that God will take us through every crisis. Jacob's life, since the receiving of his blessing from his father, seems to go from one crisis to another. He has to flee from Esau at the beginning, because Esau's mad at him. And then, before he knows, then he had to work 14 years to get the woman of his life that he wanted. And then after going through all that process, then also he had to flee from his father-in-law before ever making it on his own. And Laban was upset, chasing him. And then finally, at this point in chapter 32, we find that now Jacob, God has told him in the previous chapter, he wants him to go back, back to the homeland, back to a place where he wants him to be. And so Jacob steps out by faith, takes everything with him, and heads to where God wants us wanted him to go let me say this to you when God calls you he calls everything you have and everything's dear to you too and he wants you to take it with you I knew years ago when God called me into the ministry the first thing that came to my mouth when God called me called me the pastor now I could preach I love to preach I could go in any church and preach but preaching and pastoring is two different things I'm doing the fun stuff now the pastoring is a little bit later on I'm doing the fun stuff right now, preaching. Sometimes pastoring can be a challenge, and it's kind of scary. And I never saw myself as a pastor. When God called me the pastor, I said, wait a minute, God. God, what are you going to do with my son and my daughter? What are you going to do with my children? How, how, how is this going to all work in the, the, the equation of yours? And God says, I'll take care of them. So I'm telling you, those of you feeling the call of God in your life, God will take care of everything that belongs to you. You just got to take it with you. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? You just got to take it to the place God wants you to go to and take all that belongs you with you as you go and you make your move. That means, in other words, God, I'm all in. I'm all in. My wife is with me. She loves me. We're going together. And my children are going to follow me because I'm going to lead them in your ways. And so what it is, you just got to be willing. So here's Jacob. He takes everything he has, heads in the direction where God tells him to go. And then now he knows something he's got to deal with. And it's, and it's Esau. God will want you to go to places he wants you to go to many times because he wants you to deal with Esau. He wants you to deal with what you've done in the past so that he can bring healing in the present and move you forward for the future. God will cause you to have to, listen, we think every bad situation, it's the devil. It's the devil. My mom was good for that. My mom would say, well, just blame the devil. Blame the devil. Well, sometimes I've learned in my path of walk that sometimes i got to blame Ronnie. It's Ronnie's fault. Ronnie did it. Ronnie made it happen. Ronnie's me, if you don't know my real name. It's, it's from Kentucky. It's, it's an I-E. It's Ronnie. It's not Ron. I've tried to hide it. I've tried to, I've tried to camouflage it, move from Ronnie to Ron, but Ronnie keeps coming back. Whenever I go back to Kentucky, it's Ronnie Lee, Ronnie, Ronnie. So Ronnie is there. So it's Ronnie's fault sometimes that what Ronnie's dealing with because Ronnie did it. And blame Ronnie. And I had to do that time to blame me and quit blaming the devil. Can somebody say amen? Say amen or oh me. You know? But it's the truth. And God's saying, I'm taking you to a place of healing. I'm taking you to a place where a broken relationship and my blessing and what I've got in store with you can have nothing to do with the old you. Jacob had to be changed. His name meant supplanter. God dealt with it later because Jacob still held on to his old ways. Well, we're going to see this in just a moment. So here it is. In this passage, uh, he deals, in this chapter, he's going to come face to face with Esau and all the crisis that comes with it. It's not fun. How many of you knows that following God is not always just this singing, joyful worship song? It's not the, 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 the dance, the song and dance routine. How many here knows that there's some serious business that has to be taken care of? And, and listen, if we want God in our life, then we got let to let him get inside the deep places of our heart, the deep places of our life. So God was getting the deep places of Jacob, and we're going to deal with it and work with it. That's why he was going back to his homeland, and he was going to have to face the brother whom he stole the blessing off of, how he lied and cheated and schemed. That's why his name meant was Surplanter. But God had a plan. He's going to change his name. To, from, from Surplanter to thief, Deceiver into a, a prince of men, which would be Israel, the name Israel. You, you will be a prince to other people, to all people. You'll be a prince. You ever heard that compliment before? Someone said, yeah, man, he's a prince. He's a prince. Someone compliments someone, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, Greg, yeah, he's a, he's a prince, you know. It's a compliment. It's a compliment. So here it is. I believe there are some crisis God orchestrates to get our attention, 
to make us come face to face with who we are, where we're going, and what we're doing. Yeah, because he loves us. Yeah, he loves you that much. Yeah, he loves you that much. He wants you to have the real thing. He wants you to have as much of him as you possibly can handle. So that means you've got to get rid of as much of you that possibly needs to get out of there. Making room for God. Now, instead of in these circumstances getting difficult in this crisis, instead of, of saying, oh no, in the moment of crisis, we need to learn to say, the Lord is up to something. Boy, how could we be right there, wouldn't it? If something bad happens, and listen, I'm preaching to the preacher. But if something bad happens, things happen, crisis occur, then instead of me saying, oh no, I'll say, man, God's up to something. Do you know you're that important to him that he works out the details of your life? He wants to be Lord of your life, not because he has an ego trip, but because he loves you that much. He says, you know, Ronnie can't do it, but I can do it through Ronnie. And so, if God is, is with us, who can be against us? If God is for us, we can get through every crisis, face every adversity, and overcome any problem because God's in the equation. In Genesis 32, 3 through 12, Jacob realizes he sends his servant out. His servant comes back, tells him news. I think it's really kind of funny because he got bad news. He didn't get news he wanted to hear. What he wanted to hear when the messenger come back, when he's coming in the land, he knew he sent out a messenger out to where Esau was and probably was hoping this, hoping this, that Esau saw his, his messenger. Messenger came back and said, oh, oh, Jacob, Esau, he was just so emotional. He wanted me to tell you that he missed you so much. His heart is broken. He wants to be with you. Everything's over. Everything's fine. Don't worry about it. I'm looking forward, bro, when we get back together again. That was what he was hoping to hear, but what he heard was something different. He said, yeah, I saw Esau, the messenger said, and he's got 400 men. <laughs> you ever face that before? It's like, oh man, not only is there a problem, now there's 400 men. There's, there's more to this thing than what I thought. And so Jacob, he, he did something that was amazing. He didn't do his old tricks of trying to plot and plan, but what he did, he began to pray to God. And in, in verses 3 through 12, Jacob uh, and when he hears a word from this messenger, he's afraid, so he divides his company into two companies. Er, everything he had, in case if one company gets attacked, the other one can't escape. He's seeing his brother still holding a grudge against him. Didn't know what to do. Well, somehow in his remembrance, remember we read earlier in the series, we, we, we discovered he saw the camp of angels. Before, as he come in, he saw the camp of angels as he was going into the place God wanted him to go. So God was signifying, saying, hey man, I'm in your path, I'm in your way, don't forget about me, I'm here for you. 
I want you to know you need to look for angels. You need to look for signs and, and things to indicate to you the fingerprints of God around you to remind you that he hasn't left the scene. He hasn't gone on vacation. He hadn't decided to go to Florida for a long, long time. No, what he decided is God was telling him, I'm letting you see uh, the, uh, the glorious angels and that heaven is on your side. And if God be for us, if God be for us, that's right, there you go. <laughs> Glory to God, you believe that? I mean, do you honestly believe that? Hallelujah. I know somebody wants you to forget it. I know somebody wants you to rather go in the corner somewhere and cry. Be like on the old Hee Haw series. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Oh, deep, dark depression, excessive misery. Oh, if I had no bad, if I had no bad news, I'd have no news at all. Oh, gloom, despair, and agony on me. Oh, if I go, oh, that's a lot of times how we live our spiritual life. And God doesn't want us to, he wants us to see the camp of angels. He wants us to see there's another camp that's around you, that's nearby, and that his hand is ready to save. His hand is not shortened that he cannot save. My goodness. Better quit acting like the 9 o'clock service. Act like you're 11 o'clock ready to go to lunch. See, the 9 o'clock crowd there, they missed breakfast. And wish they had it in the 11 o'clock crowd saying, I'm ready to go to lunch. What, what all they brought it. I'm just kidding about it because I'm teasing you about lunch. Forget it! <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I'm going to hit that in just a moment. Here we go. Now, and you'll see what I'm talking about. <laughs> so he begins to pray. Jacob begins to pray, pray to God. And the prayer is a wonderful example of prayer. And how prayer ought to be. And then he gives us some very important things to remember about prayer. First of all, he reminds the Lord of his promises in verse 9 of 32 Genesis. Oh God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, and the Lord who said to me, return to your country and to your family, and I will deal well with you. He reminds the Lord that he promised that he was obedient to go back home, that he would take care of Jacob. God stands behind his word. Oh, buddy, let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. If a worship song doesn't have the word of God, it's worthless. It's a worthless song. Do you hear what I'm saying? I mean, a worship song can have a whole lot of emotion, good feeling, love, 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 love you to death. But if it doesn't have the word of God, it's a worthless song. But if it is announcing the word of God, the word of God will do something for you. I'm telling you, God's word will make your prayer life come alive. God's word will produce faith within you. And it's more than a song. It's an embedded deep faith within you that you're telling God all about the promises he made. And let me tell you, God is not sitting in the court and you are the attorney and you grab the Bible and say, God, this is what your word says. And all of a sudden, God gets nervous. He shakes his, oh no, oh no, I can't be a liar. I can't mess up. I gotta do something about this. No, 
What it is is like this. You take the word of God. You snort and you cry and you rip and you snort and carry on and say the word of God declares, thus says the word of God. And God just sits and smiles. And he said, I know it. That's good, son. It's good that you know it because you're the problem. And the word will take care of the problem that is in you to have faith. So you just keep on quoting those scriptures to God because God says, hey, my boy, my daughter knows what I said. Nothing gets a parent more upset is when our children don't do, don't pay attention to what we said. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a time to do what he says. Because there are times Lee and I with our grandsons we're real good bribers. Did you know grandparents are good bribers? Oh, we got the treats setting up a certain area. We got the popsicle frozen treats in the freezer. They know where it's at in the corner of the freezer. They know where it's at. And they know where the, where the, where the chocolate is and the, and the treats and the bags and stuff. It's sitting on the counter because we as grandparents, we want, we want our boys, our grandsons to see that there are treats in the house. The boys will come around, and boys will be boys. They're human beings. They can't happen. They can't help it. They're not perfect. They're a little flawed, just a little bit, because they got blood in them, you know? They are humans, and they're growing and developing, and there are times that their parents are in the house, and then there's a, at the grandparents' house, and the boys are there, and grandma, grandpa, we just got all the goody, good, good stuff. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, I made a law in our house. A grandpa made a law. There's no no at grandpa's. I don't say no. Your mother and father says no. Your mother and father says you can't do that. Grandpa don't say no. But your parent says no. And so you do what your parents... And then they'll be in the house, and they'll do something, they'll want something, and they're disobeying, not doing what their parents say. And we'll say, well, give them this reward, and maybe they'll go on. And then, then all of a sudden, there'll be this parental voice that will ring out and say, no, they need to do what I say. And that's like the world today. Christians, we want our treaty treats. We want our sweets. We want our goodies. We want everything great and wonderful. We think God is our grandparent. But in reality, he's your father. And your father says, yes, it's yes. When he says, no, it's no. And what his word says stands. Grandma and grandpa just have to deal with it a little bit. There'll be discussion later with grandma and grandpa. God is not your grandparent. He is your father. And he watches after you and over you like a father. Oh, here we go. I still think I'm a pretty good grandpa, okay? He reminds himself, he tells, he, he is saying the word of God, reminding God of the promise, and therefore it's not making God operate what it is it's doing something inside of Jacob because every time we quote the word of God when we pray and use the word pray 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 the word 
Oh, I know this sounds real deep and dark and really, but hold on here for a moment. I want to tell you something. What do you think is on the mind of the martyr right before they die? The word of the living God. He's able to keep that which I've committed unto him until that day. To live as Christ and to die as gain. Do you see what I'm saying? The word of God is what you stand on. Stand on. Because there may come a time church will not be legal. Christian television and radio will not be allowed. And there'll come a time where you and I will have to hold on to something and cling to something and let it always be the word of God and the promises of the Lord. Yeah, yeah. And if things get so, so bad, you hold on to the promise that soon he's coming soon. Hallelujah. I got some good stuff in here if I could ever get to it. The second thing about Jacob's prayer was with humility. Humility, not stubbornness, but humility. Prayer, not from the head, but it was coming from his heart of humility. He tells the Lord in verse 10, I'm not worthy of the least of all the mercies of all the truth which you've shown your servant. For I crossed over this Jordan with my staff, and now I have become two companies. You know what he was saying? The first time I crossed over the river, I had nothing. I had my staff in my hand, and that was it. I was running, and I was scared. But now, Lord, I cross this river again and look at all of your favor and blessings in my life. I didn't earn it. It was by your mercies you gave it to me. Oh, let me tell you this. If anything rose through the mind of a 60-year-old preacher is this. You want to know what goes through this mind often and often and often? Through this, I know nothing, nothing, nothing. But there is something going through my mind of this 60-year-old preacher is this. 60, I said 60 because I got to let you know there is some qualification in what I'm saying here, okay? And the qualification is what's rolling through my mind. It's, it's when this all started, I had nothing. I, I had but a staff in my hand. But the Lord, through the years of, of service unto him, he has blessed me. He has met my needs. He has been my provider. He's been my sustainer. He's been a very present help in the time of trouble. I called out his name and he heard my cry and that the Lord heard this poor man cry and he raised him up out of what he was in and I'm telling you something I had nothing and now I have everything some of you feel like you ain't got nothing you need to rearrange your thinking like Joyce Meyer says get ready just stinking thinking you have so many blessings you don't even realize it but I want to encourage those that haven't reached this mark yet. You've got a way to go. I want you to know. Daily, he's going to load you with benefits. Daily, he's going to help you. He's going to bless you. If God be for me, who can be against me? Who? 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 What imagination? What thought? What government? What governor? What president? What senator? Could 
possibly be against me because I'm speaking to the one who sits on the throne that's higher than any throne of God that spoke things into existence everything nothing exists and would not exist if it were not by him so therefore let me tell you you're blessed you're blessed you're blessed put it on Facebook make it a post I am blessed and so are you I am blessed and so are you he acknowledges to the Lord that without him he's nothing that he didn't deserve anything he had received Without the blood of Jesus Christ, we are nothing. We deserve nothing. We accomplish nothing. However, because of the blood of Jesus, we can come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. The third thing was that Jacob discovered, he says, he discovered his dependency upon God. Do you know how you overcome COVID-19? You resign the fact that it has nothing to do with you. But you're totally dependent on him. See, there's a spirit of the age right now that makes humans think you are in charge of your destiny. Invictus was the, was the phrase that said, I am in charge of my destiny. Baloney. I'll say that in English. Baloney. God is it determines my destiny and your destiny. You're in good hands, not with all state, but with God Almighty. He will provide for you and take care of you always. Don't lose hope. God's going to work it out. He'll bless you. We're dependent on him, and the sooner we realize it, the better off we are. And the sooner that Jacob realized it, the better off he was. We are dependent on God. The humanistic idea of of that you are you are you are you determined that your own destiny it is false doctrine as a matter of fact most of the teachers are rioting in portland and in seattle right now or the students of the teachers that taught it god determines my destiny that's why i'm not afraid I'm not afraid because he's going to take care of me. And anything touches me, touches him first. Anything's got to reach me, it's got to go through him first. So therefore, I can believe with consecrated prayer and say, not my will, thy will be done, O Lord. Hallelujah. 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 And I'm going to get this out. And I know it probably might get blocked on Facebook. Probably already has already. Good for them. Maybe somebody will see it. The editor. You get the monkey off your back that you're responsible for someone else's death. Get the monkey off of your back. That is not a godly doctrine. You're not responsible for it. You're not. Every man must be dependent upon God and believe in him. There are reasonable things we can do but the world is always going to do that. And it seems everything going on always points to ourself. And that is where I see a little danger. 
whether it be a humanistic idea, whether it be wearing a mask or not wearing one. We got to do things pleasing to God and loving other people. But this, this, this garbage of trying to save children go back to school, it's going to cause people to die. That's a, what, a, what an atrocious accusation to put on a future generation. Listen, the devil's not only trying to destroy this generation, he wants to get a handle on the future generation. And we will not believe that. Why don't we put our destiny in the hands of God? That's what we're supposed to do anyway. And if our national leaders would point to God quicker than what they point to science for an answer, we might find divine intervention. If America would come to a place of repentance, asking God to forgive them, to forgive them of the millions of babies we have put to death, to forgive us for making a mockery of the sanctity of human life, uh, that we made a mockery of the sanctity of marriage. God forgive us as a nation and heal our land. Oh, that don't go well today. You know why? It's Christian thinking. And Christian thinking don't seem to go too well today. It's doing pretty good for me. How about you? The word's doing real good for me. How about you? I really had some good stuff here. You're going to hear it next Sunday. <laughs> I guess God has taken over today. I don't want to do my outline. I want to say what he wants me to say. And believe me, I'm not sounding off here like some frustrated preacher trying to make a lot of noise and make himself feel better because I've done that before and when I've done it, I've walked away and felt so broken and discouraged. Oh God, why did I do that? And I feel regret. But any fire that I have right now, oh God, let it be righteous indignation. Let us take a stand against sin and stand up for Jesus Christ. It's time we quit rebranding everything. Call sin as sin and being lost as being lost and that a believer is a child of God and that we didn't just start believing. We were saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. We put a market on the kingdom and now we're paying for it. Oh, God's rearranging and realigning. I'm not supposed to say, oh, no. we say, oh, God, God's up to something. And God is up to something right now. Do you think this caught him by surprise? It was on his calendar. Yeah, it was on God's calendar. It was there. He knew it, he, he knew it a thousand years ago. He knew it before America was ever formed. He knew it. He knew it. But the fact is, He's the solution. And he wants us to pray as Jacob, using the word, realizing with humility, I'm nothing without you, Lord, and then dependency on God. This is how we reach the Lord. This is how we reach God. Because God loves us. God was wanting to change Jacob. And he was in the process 
of changing him. And he got the job done. God, get your job done with us, within us. And change us and make us. March 15th seems so long ago on March 15th when we canceled service first time here. March. March. We were in jackets. Here we are now in August. And we're still talking. Let me tell you, the world's still going to be preaching this stuff in the wintertime, spring. Next summer, in the fall. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you and I are going to have to decide where do we fit in the middle of this stuff. And maybe perhaps the truest test of our faith is going to come. But that's okay. Because whenever there's been a challenge to the church, God has poured out his spirit. These are the last days. That's great. That means he gives us a spirit to fortify, to empower us to deal with these last days. Praise God for it. Then we'll walk and see in the church that, why, that person was raised to life. That person was healed. That lame person couldn't walk and now can walk. And people getting saved left and right. Being filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. Just read the book of Acts. Because what happened, that when adversity came, the church flew into action by the power of the Spirit. And God is doing the same thing today. I love seeing those reports in California. Oh, they're breaking all the rules. They're out there on the beach and thousands of people getting saved and baptized in the water. Oh, I love it. I tell you what, I'm going to say this. And please understand because some people watching, some in here, may, maybe have relatives in California or you lived in California. I just love California because, you know, it's just you never know what's going to come out of California. And the, the Jesus movement came out of California. There was people said uh, years ago in the, in the 70s, uh, when America was at its worst, there was a movement, a Jesus movement came out of those crazy Californians. Uh, they were filled with the Spirit, became charismatic, and a move of God swept the country that still influences the country today. God bless California. Yeah, they're oppressed. Right. In California, there is oppression with the church, as far as the government goes. But there, God is moving in powerful ways. Hey, the best is yet to come. The best, oh, I wish we all had our forks right now. We did a parking lot praise on Friday night praise. I had a fork with a little sign on it said, the best is yet to come, amen. Uh, we've been having to gobble down uh, all those greens and all that meat and all that stuff that grandma and grandpa's given us, uh, but they told us make room because the best is yet to come. Uh, we got a fork uh, that's gonna take care of dessert time and dessert Third time is coming because the best is yet to come. Save your fork, honey. God's got plans. That's what they told me, you know. I turned my dishes. I went to the Bynum family reunion. I got clothes. God bless you so much, parents. I went to the Bynum family reunion. Actually, it was, yeah, it was on the Bynum side. I didn't know my dad. He was killed when I was three years old. I never really knew my father. And um, 
So I didn't see my aunts and uncles very often, and especially those great aunts. And I showed up. I'm a little boy, seven years old. And I go to this reunion. I don't know where it was. It was way out in God's country somewhere. Could have been out here in Gallia County for all I know. But I lived in Louisville, Kentucky, went out way out in the boonies somewhere, this big old white house, kind of like a house that my son-in-law and my daughter lives in now, kind of like that two-story kind of house with the porch. And it, just, it looked just like they always showed up there. I got out of the car. There was cars everywhere I got out of there. I was halfway car sick because I never rode in the car. Never in the city. I never had to. We rode a bus, city bus. So, I didn't, you know, this country life, it's something I had no idea. Look at me now. Look where I'm at now. I'm going to see my son-in-law and my daughter. I wish to goodness they would have made straight streets instead of deciding to take cow paths and make them into roads. Somebody please share some property so we can get a straight shot somewhere. I'm joking. I really am. But, hey, you're laughing because you know what I'm talking about. You went somewhere last week and got a little sick of your stomach, didn't you? Okay. Curve after curve. Well, I got there halfway sick. My stomach. And here come these crazy ants. Crazy ants. I'm not talking about the, the ants in the pit. I'm talking about blood relatives that I never met before in my life. Didn't know. And they come run. Oh, this is Junie's boy. Oh, he looks so much like Junie. And Junie, and that was the name of my dad. And then, oh, he looks so oh, just great, great. This is so glad. I got this barrage of these crazy old ants coming out of everywhere. And they wanted to kiss me. They kissed me on the cheek. And I was like, oh, my gosh. It's a seven-year-old. It's a... It's like, it's like a horror flick. It really is. They're coming after me, one after the other. Then all of a sudden, I got this one aunt that she was so pleased to see. She came and with, she kissed me on my mouth. Did you know I still remember that today? And that's been over 50 years ago. Kissed me on my mouth, and she didn't have dentures. Oh, I just, oh, my gosh. I'm sorry. Sometimes preaching is therapy time, okay? It was so bad. Oh, my gosh. And then finally it took me out back when I could finally get away. I slipped away, went around back. And that's where all other people were. Got a little bit more equated about the situation. I thought, surely, goodness, this is all over. No more of that. No more of that. Of course, I, was really, I got in the car real quick when it was time to leave. Does thought the leaving might be as bad as coming. And so went around, and there were these tables filled with food. And they said, Ronnie, get your plate and get a fork. And they gave me a fork, and I got a plate. And, and this, everybody was, get, here, you want some of this, buddy. You want this, this, this. And next thing I know, I got this huge mound of mountain, Mount Everest on my plate. And you got to try this. And I sat down, and I ate. The food was good. But then I sat down, some of this, this other old person next to me, I don't know, had been some relative. I say old, you know, because back then it was relevant. And so the dear lady leaned over to me and said, Ronnie, this is good food, but hang on to your fork because the best is yet to come. And she 
when I got done with whatever I could eat, she said, and it's right over there. And there was this array of desserts everywhere. I held on to my fork. You know, she was right. The best was yet to come. Child of God, hold on to your fork. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Would you stand with me? We thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, God, that you're speaking to our hearts. The message is so important, God. And there's so much that could be said and so much that needs to be heard that come alive in our hearts, oh Lord. Come alive in our hearts. Let the word come alive. Let's be like Jacob, Lord. We realize we had nothing. Now look at what we have because of you. And Lord, we humbly go before you because every gift comes from you, oh God. And we're so dependent upon you, And we thank you, Lord, that you set this up so we could be dependent on you. Because we're going to make it through every crisis because we depend on you and you're able you're able you're able I just want right now if you're right there at your seat and you're facing an intense struggle right now and things have seemed to be mounted up against you and you need God to do something. I want you right there at your seat to know that heaven is aware of you. God's been looking at you and the Spirit's been touching. And that He'll hear your cry and He'll see where you're at. If you're facing this crisis, this something, I want you to raise your hands toward heaven. I want you to raise your antenna. Oh! Like old preachers used to call it the lightning rod. I want you to raise your hands toward your supplier. 